Fear not, dear listener. The path to enlightenment is before you. Leave the darkness behind. Open your eyes, grab your spears, and brush your teeth. For you will be led to the battlefield, armed with sharp minds and fresh breath. Stand by. Welcome to the show dedicated to truth and liberty in the greater Cincinnati area. One small part of a larger movement for freedom pressured into silence by a culture that seeks nothing less than total obedience. Your hosts, Scott and Max, are here to help you to find the courage and resources to become uncancelable. This is Cancelled Out. Welcome back to Cancelled Out Presents Cancelled Conversations. We actually haven't had one of these interviews in a while. Just been so much going on, but I'm glad to have my next guest on, Vanessa Wells from Lakota. Vanessa, welcome. Hi, Max. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I'm going to start off by talking real quick about how uh, I got connected to Vanessa, and then I want to give her a chance to introduce herself and uh, what, what, what she's about. I'll start off by saying she is running for school board in Lakota. Uh, she's going to talk about why she's doing that and her story, which is absolutely incredible and really kind of Honestly, it's kind of frightening, and it should be frightening to anybody. This story is just unreal. So I'm going to give her a chance to tell that story before we do. Like I said, we uh, we got into this uh, conversation about uh, or this connection recently, interestingly, through uh, another friend that I recently just met. And I actually met her through a conversation on Facebook, a debate on Facebook. And, uh, I, and that's the funny thing is people are like, why do you even bother debating people on Facebook? I'm like, well, look what I got out of it. I got to meet her and now I get to meet you. Right. So, right. so we connected, uh, I think we met up in person a couple of weeks ago. I got to start to learning about what's going on in, in Lakota. And that's really what I'm trying to do is learn more about what's going on in Lakota so I can bring that to the audience. And as I started to do that, I started to hear more about your story, which again is absolutely incredible. So let's first by start off, uh, just introduce introduce yourself, uh, why you are running, and uh, then, we'll, then we'll get into that story. How about that? Um, there's a lot of reasons why I'm running. I'm not sure you want to get into all of those. <laughs> so um, I'm actually from a small town in Pennsylvania, and yeah, a little country town, but we moved to, I actually moved to Ohio in 2006 and met my husband, and we had our daughter. So we homeschooled up until her fourth grade year. And that's whenever we decided to move to Lakota. And the reason that we moved to Lakota was because we kept hearing great things about the school. This is a good district. You know, there's a lot of opportunities. So we decided to make the move. And we got about two good years out of Lakota before the incident that we're about to talk about happened. And so she went fourth and fifth grade. Um, and then, uh, I'm sorry, we started at Cherokee Elementary. So first two years were great. We loved all of the teachers. And I only really volunteered on a as-needed basis or just played more of the mom at school role. And that was until we started her sixth grade year. So this was September of 2019. And ultimately, this is why I made the decision to run for school board, because as this happened, I started paying more attention. And the more attention I paid, the more I realized how many issues 
and how bad the breakdown of communication within Lakota actually is. And I'm hearing that a lot, honestly. It seems to be that oh, I yeah. mean, across uh, Cincinnati, uh, uh, the audience knows I've been focused very much on Forest Hills, uh, right. but it's it's the same there, right? It's these 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 school boards, these administrators, they are not being transparent. And the scary thing is these people have access to your kids. Frankly, from what I can tell, they're not protecting them. And that really gets into your story here. So tell us what happened. Your, your daughter, this was uh, in what grade? She was in sixth grade, so it was still elementary school. Um, She was 11 years old. And so we were about 10 days into the school year when she came home. And, you know, sometimes kids, they'll have a bad day because they had an argument with a friend or, and those are the issues that we say, oh, just shake that off, communicate with them and it will be okay. But this was really different. So when she walked in the house, I could tell immediately that something was wrong. She was shaking, she was scared, and she just burst into tears. And so... I would come to find out, I, you know, I sat her down, asked her what was going on, and she, her life was threatened in school. Well, as she started to explain it, I realized just how bad it was. Uh, there was a little boy who was new to, well, actually what my daughter said first was he was from Jersey. So I'm picturing a Pauly D accent, not no, you know, mm-hmm. not really understanding what is going on. Well, I came to find out that this little boy was not just new to the school or the town. He was new to the country. So he had been in the United States for about a week and a half prior to the school year starting. From where? Uh, Jordan. Jordan. Okay. Yes. So he, so he's Arabic. Yes. Okay. She had started to explain that she was goofing around with one of her friends and this little boy who had just been moved to her table. Now, mind you, there are five other little girls sitting at this table. He had just been sat there. The teacher had moved him because he was being noisy at a different table. He decided that he would threaten to murder her. And not only did he do that, he was holding scissors to his neck. He was actual scissors. Yes, actual scissors. And so that that was the thing. That's what made this so much worse was that he did have scissors in his hand. You know, my daughter had tried to take them and the little girls around her were very uncomfortable. And then he said that he was planning on bringing and he was very not just very direct, but very detailed about his threat. So he decided to tell her that uh, he was going to find our house. He was going to bring a knife to school the next day, but a knife from his kitchen. So, you know, just the fact that he was going into all of these details and he was going to come to school and he would stab her. Um, If he didn't stab her at school, that he would find our house and kill her. He was going to be a hitman killer when he grew up. He was pulling up graphic, like gory images on his school computer. It was really traumatic. Yeah, very disturbing. And she went up to talk to her teachers and just started crying. Well, when she started to try to explain it, they called the little boy up beside her and they really didn't give her the opportunity to even tell them what was happening. So this entire day, she sat at school and I knew nothing about it until she got home. It was really strange because I actually wrote an email to her teacher and the principal and I attached everyone and I said, my daughter will not be back in school. I want to know what's going on here. So just let me, if you don't mind, let me, let me clarify a couple of things there. So first off, no, no, (laughs) totally cool. So first off, this is this entirely unprovoked or you said the girls were goofing around. Were they goofing around with him? Did he just insert himself? Yes. He inserted himself in the conversation. And as a matter of fact, our daughter asked one of the, the other little girls sitting beside her to trade her seat. And she shook her head. No. And you know, everybody was apparently visibly uncomfortable because no one knew what to say or do. And he just kept going. So now mind you, this is just not one comment. This is telling the story of how he would stab her 
holding yeah. scissors to his his neck and his wrist. So he was just trying to get a reaction out oh, of him, maybe yeah. or okay. Yeah, and she said she she was just like I don't I didn't know what to say. She couldn't actually understand. And you know, at the age of eleven, uh, my daughter is pretty sheltered. Uh, she doesn't like scary things. But this was, you know, it's not that she hasn't seen any scary things like on cartoons or something that might freak a kid out. But this was so entirely different that she actually didn't even know how to process it. You know, sure, it was just the the strangest thing. Um, and for a long time in school, it was really difficult for her because of the reaction from the district to this. So, and we'll definitely get into that. I do want to touch yeah. on uh, how the teacher responded to this. So, your daughter goes up to the <laughs> teacher. She doesn't get a chance to get her story out before she brings up the other kid. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, she actually. So, did she end up getting her story out or no? Uh, no, she did. To the teacher, so the teacher still uh, didn't know what happened. Well, the teacher knew that he had threatened her, but they just said he said he was joking. So to me, a threat is a threat, especially yeah. one like that. But I'm not sure that they had all of the details or really understood what was going on. But my daughter was crying. So she was visibly upset. And it wasn't something that she was taking lightly, but there was no mention of it for the rest of the day. No mention of it from the teacher or anything. No. That was just it. And they nope, put it right back with it. the kid at the table. Yes. And that was it. Okay. So then they didn't reach out to you about it, obviously. No. Well, actually, when she got home, I wrote an email. And strangely enough, her teacher emailed me the same time that I was emailing her. But it shouldn't have taken that long to begin with. Yeah. You know, at the very least, I feel like I should have had a phone call to let me know there was a situation at school. It's handled. Um, but none of that happens. No. That seems like that's is, is that not standard practice for for when a threat happens <laughs> between kids? That that you immediately that you meet. I mean, obviously, you got to handle the situation there at the time. But then once it's handled, it should be policy, right? Is it is it not policy to alert the parents immediately when something like that happens? I believe it is not only policy to call the parents who are the parents of the children that are involved in a situation like this. But typically what the school district will do is even if there's a, a threat on the basketball court, and I say this because two weeks later this happened, they send out an email to the schools and say there was an incident just in case your child talks about this. This is what happened. But none of that happened in our situation now. So you send the email. What was your uh, who was your email to and what was it about? Uh, my email was to the two teachers. I wish I had that printed out for you. It was to the two teachers that she had the majority of that day and the principal. I attached all of them on it and I told them exactly what she had told me about the threat, about him saying he was going to bring a weapon to school the next day, a knife specifically from his kitchen. So I, I basically just went step by step. I had her sit down and just close your eyes and, you know, tell me as the situation unfolded, just tell me what happened. And I typed it all like that, sent it to them and said, I would like for someone to contact me as soon as possible. You know, my daughter will not be in school until I feel like she's safe going back. And then they did call me at that point. They called you that <laughs> night or the next day or uh, they called me that night. So it was probably an hour or two later. Mm -hmm. I got a call from the principal who put me on a conference call with the two teachers involved, uh, the school counselor and herself. Okay. And how did that conversation go? They just mostly listened. So they listened to what I had to say. You know, they said they did not know. And at this point, they didn't know the parents of the little boy, just that he was new. He was from Jordan. And this is where at that point, I found out this little boy is actually from Jordan. Okay. So I didn't know that up until then. And 
the, then it was basically you're, you will get a call in the morning. And what I assumed, and maybe this is a little naive, but I assumed that I would get a call and maybe the parents would be brought into the school to discuss this. And that did not happen either. Okay. So what happened after this? So whenever the teacher the teachers and the principal got off the phone with me. I believe that it was the principal who took it to the SRO to decide what to do. That's the school um, resource officer, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. The school resource officer. And I never had to talk to the school resource officer about anything, but what the school resource officer did was the right thing. And he contacted the police station. I still didn't know. I got in the shower, was getting ready to go to bed. And there were three police that showed up at my house because my daughter had to give a written statement. Wow. Yeah. So what did the school say they were going to do about it? Did they say they were going to do anything? No. No, did they do anything of, with this kid at all? Um, did they contact his parents? Did they discipline him in any way? So we actually do not know. <laughs> this is where it gets really weird. The police actually went to the little boy's house and they arrested him. I'm assuming that they arrest juveniles differently. I'm not really sure the process, yeah. but uh, because he was younger, it, it was still an arrest technically though. Right. Um, and so he would have the arraignment the next day. Well, that was a, a Friday and then we had Saturday and Sunday, and I believe I want to say Monday was maybe Labor Day. So there was a longer weekend, and I got a call from the principal the day before they were supposed to go back, and I was out shopping, and she said, hi, I just wanted to let you know that things are going to go back to normal. Who's she again? The teacher? This is the principal. The principal, okay. Yes. So she let me know that things were just going to go back to normal. And immediately I just stopped because I'm like, wait. Yeah. What does that mean? Right. What does that mean? And not only what does that mean, this is not going back to normal for my daughter. Yeah. You know, there should have been some type of response to that. And there wasn't. So it, it was rough for a while. I, I actually, within that conversation, I asked her, I said, can you please move my daughter classes? They weren't even planning on doing that. In the meantime, while my daughter is at school the same day that it, well, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. So it would have been the same day. I think she went back to school and the teachers had told her that the little boy would be in the same class as her, but they would be at different tables. It was a very strange situation. I've never. It seems like they it. would just move him to a completely different class. He's the one and, who acted out. Right. I actually had to ask for that. So I did ask for it and they did do that. They took that step, but she didn't seem like she wanted to at all to begin with. And as a matter of fact, I got, uh, whenever I checked the mail that next day, I'm really sorry with the days. I'm not sure. It's all right. It was. Yeah. But so it was the very next day and I got the mail and I realized that I had a paper in the mail and it was the court order. So there was a protection order. So they had filed charges for you know, the threat itself and the charges were, hold on, I'm looking them up. It was aggravated menacing. So he did, when the, the police talked to him, he admitted to it. He said that he, you know, we planned on doing all of those things, but with a quote magic knife. So I don't get I, it. What does that mean? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think the police were sure either. So even okay. in the police report, it says magic knife. Um, but our daughter said, you know, that was never mentioned. He just kept saying it was a joke. Right. And so that was what was so stressful to me was they, um, in the meantime, the school district heard that his father worked for the UN, mm. the United Nations. So they were much more lenient. And actually, I'm not sure if there was any punishment whatsoever. I think maybe he missed two days of school and one was for the arraignment. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So the school really didn't take any significant action to discipline this kid, to separate him other than to uh, other than until you said, hey, I want him in a different class. Exactly. Yeah. And why did they say why? 
Well, after they had found out, you know, at first, when I first talked to them the day that it happened, they were like, we'll take care of this. Don't worry about it. Um, And after they found out that the dad worked for the United Nations, he was making a big deal at the arraignment. What they said was, well, here's the thing, Vanessa, you have to understand. And she says this directly to me and my husband when we had a meeting with her and the two teachers. This is a principal. It's a cultural difference. Who is this that said this? That is the, the principle. Yes. And then the teachers from then on repeated it. They repeated it. And as a matter of fact, another teacher actually went as far as saying, well, and here there's another thing too. He's just 175% boy. So that was a huge no-no to me. You know, I said, well, perhaps that's 75% too much. I mean, I, I've never, I grew up around boys. I had boy yeah. cousins. I was military. So to me, that just wasn't something that a boy did to a girl. And especially as graphic as no, he that's, was. Yeah, that's, it was. That's extreme. That's right, very extreme. Very extreme, yeah. And it's a hell of an indictment against uh, uh, boys from a from a, from a a teacher and a principal. Certainly is, yes. Like, that's the, what you think of boys that, that uh, age, yeah. that, that, that they're all like this. Well, and as the uh, the court order, I made sure that I walked the court order into the office. I made sure that the principal had a copy. I made sure that her two teachers had a copy that said, and um, actually the, the victim's advocate that we had gotten whenever this was all happening, she was great. So she had highlighted the court order where it said not to be in the same classroom as her. He is not to be in the same room as her. So and, they needed that in order to actually make that happen. It wasn't just you asking. They needed the court order. Oh, they needed the court order. Uh, actually, it didn't even matter if they had the court order. They still let it happen. Uh, we had four or five probation violations within the first month. And he was he was actually leaving his classroom to sit in our daughter's classroom. And he would hide like off into the corner or off by one of his friends. And my daughter would have to ask the teacher, did his class get switched again? And when the teacher would say no, they would remove him. But he would always stare directly at her. And they just kept saying, well, he's a boy. He forget. He's a boy. This is a cultural difference. It was ridiculous. This is, uh, I don't understand the culture. What difference does it make? What culture he's from? I'm not sure because I even. Are you saying that that changes the way they discipline at this school based off of culture? I would assume so. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Because here's the thing. I even made a mention of that in an email and I said, you know, I really feel like the parents should know about this situation. I feel like this is extremely important because you just moved this boy to another classroom. You didn't bother to let the parents know that anything happened. And what happens if another child doesn't communicate as well as our daughter did with us? Um, You know, they're probably going to be really scared. I mean, that would be an uncomfortable situation to put a child in. What other interactions did your daughter have with this kid after this point? You said there were some uh, probation violations. Yes, the probation violations. um, The school district told me it was impossible for them to keep these two kids away from each other. Although it was just keeping one child away from my daughter. And I kept pointing that out. And they kept saying. So they were trying to word it like she was getting in oh, contact no. with him? Not or? not so much. No, they were just, well, they can't keep two kids. I mean, okay. there's no possible way that they can monitor two specific children because they're all busy. There's so yeah. much going on, you know, and so it was more of that nature. But as a matter of fact, our daughter, you know, she was very aware when he was around. Uh, oh, actually the school, the very first day we went in and talked to them afterward, they had told my daughter she was not allowed to talk about it with her friends. And that if her friends did ask her questions, that she was not supposed to say anything. She was supposed to send her friends to the office to talk to the principal and the principal would handle it. Whoa, whoa that seems messed up. Why? What was the reason for that? 
Well, they just didn't, you know, they didn't want to make the other kids worried. Yeah, it was terrible. But sometimes it's good to be worried. Sometimes it is good to be worried. I made sure. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And and I actually had to make sure I wrote them an email and said, you know, not only do I disagree with you telling her not to talk to her friends about it, but I specifically told her that she has permission to talk to her friends Um, and her and her friends would actually, they would cross their fingers if he was nearby without saying anything uh, because they didn't want, you know, nobody wanted to make a scene or anything. And my daughter does doesn't like that either. She's a bookworm, you know, a sweet kid. But so her, when her friends would see him, they would cross their fingers so that she would know to either move out of the way or, you know, that he is somewhere in the vicinity close by. So really it was, it was good that she did talk to her friends because they were able to put together a communication system that helped them protect each other and protect her. That's right. So and that was what they were effectively uh, uh, going to prevent if they uh, if they managed to get convince her to not tell her friends. Right. So, yeah, I agree. That's I mean, that's that's not helpful at all. And not only that, but that that makes it harder for that information to get back to the parents, going back to what you mentioned before, who probably need to know about what's going on and, and don't because this school is is essentially, from what it sounds like to me, from what you're saying, covering up what happened. Oh, they absolutely did. It got more obvious as we went, uh, you know, and at first I would hear things from the principal. So I was unsure of who was making the decisions. And it got to the point where they had brought the uh, ombudsman in every time I would have a meeting with them because I said, you know, this is ridiculous. I have to turn these things into this boy's probation officer. And they would say, well, how about you just let us handle it? You don't have to turn it into the probation officer. You can let us handle it. We can deal with it. They weren't handling in the first place. No, they weren't handling it at all. As a matter of fact, it it got to the point where um, at recess time, my daughter would go into her recess. And I know there was an issue two days in a row with a recess where they were inside. So they had to go to a classroom. Well, he would sneak up behind her and just stand there. And her friend, again, has to let her know, like, he's standing right behind you. You know, don't don't worry about it. I'm watching. I can tell the teacher. But he's and he kept inching closer to where he was, you know, less than a foot away from her. And Which just, is a violation of that. Oh, such uh, a violation. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and so I brought it up and she said, oh, I forgot to tell the recess aides that there was a court order. Don't worry about it. I'll get it done. Well, the next day my daughter goes to school and this little boy is in the same classroom. And uh, now, mind you, in the meantime of all of this, too, we had had a court hearing. So during this court hearing, there was a competency evaluation that was required um, I don't, I'm not sure if the lawyers asked for it. Someone did. Uh, and he was found 100% competent. And he, you know, he spoke good English. So they kept it's trying. It's not like he didn't know what he was doing. Right. For his I mean, age. and I, yes, he definitely. And they told me, we talk to him every day. We tell him this every day. You know, they didn't check on my daughter, but they talked to this little boy every day, repeatedly told him to stay out of the same rooms that she was in. And he still kept doing it. Yeah. And it was just excuse after excuse. I, I, it kind of blows me away. I forgot to tell the recess aides about the yes. court order. Yeah, she wrote Why that one in an email. That? Oh, she wrote that. Yeah, she wrote it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yes, she did. So it, it just seems, I, I, I got to understand this. It seems to me that these teachers and these administrators, they simply don't have any kind of alarm whatsoever no. going on in their heads when something like this happens. Right. Well, and what was strange is it was a few weeks after the initial incident that we all got an email and apparently something had happened out on, this is unrelated, something had happened out at the recess 
playground. They were playing basketball. And another little boy must have yelled that he was going to kill some little boy. They were in a heated basketball game. And they sent an email to the entire school district, all of the parents. The whole school gets this email. And then we're like, well, wait a second. You didn't do that with this situation. Yeah. What was the difference? So my husband wrote her an email again. We had started to learn very quickly that we needed to put everything in writing with them. And what happened next was the principal, instead of responding, she called my husband's phone Um, and it's, you know, in the evening. And so I was furious. You know, I'm like, I don't understand what was so different about this situation. Well, it happened out on the playground, but the situation with our daughter happened in a classroom with five other little girls at the table. And those little girls were about to be subpoenaed for a trial. And yet still no mention of it. And when the principal would talk, she made it seem like uh, the school board was making the decisions. Like some above her, whether it be the superintendent or the school board. Well, we were told or they told us. And so that signifies to me and the same, I would assume that it did to everybody else that the school board or superintendent is making the decisions. So um, I, I, real quick, I just want to touch on that, uh, the the incident with the, uh, at, at recess that they sent the email blast about. Yes. I assume these were probably two white kids. They were. Okay. And I'm just trying to picture what might've happened in that situation. And you may or may not know the details, but uh, I'm, I'm just trying to envision two kids playing basketball, maybe having some kind of a disagreement mm-hmm. and getting into it with each other. And then eventually one of them saying, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Which to me, okay, so all right. So then to me, that right there is very normal behavior for anybody, especially at that age when you're immature and all that kind of stuff. Right. That right there. I mean, it's not appropriate. Don't get me wrong. And you shouldn't do it. But it's not alarming in any way. Kids. No, there wasn't a threat of a weapon. There wasn't none of that. It's not like it's not like he's it was it was an unprovoked situation where some kid just randomly says, I'm going to gut you like a fish. Exactly. That's a that's that is a far more like the the situation you describe with your daughter is a clearly alarming situation. The kids playing basketball who got overheated, uh, got a little heated in an argument for whatever reason, who 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 said, oh, I'm going to kill you. I mean, it's not appropriate. They should be disciplined for it and they need to learn that it's not right. And there should be a zero tolerance policy for it. Don't get me wrong. But that is not something that is that 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 requires uh, an email, an email blast. To all, but I mean, but if it did, certainly they both do, if nothing else. Oh, exactly. And that's kind of what our thought process was too. And I had, I was so tired at this point of writing and hearing the same excuses and the same answers that I, my husband, I said, you can go ahead and write. Well, she called him and this is basically this conversation with the principal is what led me down the path that I'm on right now. And that is to make sure that the school board is held accountable, they're responsible, and they are transparent. Because what I witnessed after that was pretty damning for the school district. Um, The principal called me and I said, I'm tired of this situation being handled differently. You know, I'm tired of hearing that, oh, he doesn't remember, or this is a cultural difference. He's just a boy, all of these things. And I said, you know, I'm going to go to a board meeting. I, I actually wanted to talk to the board members. I had asked for a meeting with the board and the superintendent. And now mind you, at this point, I, I really had no idea how the school board and the school district worked as far as their chain of command. I knew it wasn't working, but she said, you should not do that. Vanessa, you're just going to make it harder on your daughter. 
the principal said that? Yes, she did. Uh, yeah, she absolutely did. Um, and that was not the first time that she had tried to stop me from speaking at a board meeting. Um, it sounds kind of threatening to me. Well, and I said, I don't understand how it's going to make it harder for our daughter when she is a minor and her name is protected. And she said, well, it will. So as that far as I'm concerned, it was very, um, she stopped being subtle at that point. Mm. And so I, ha- I was done. And then, you know, in the meantime, um, there's a few weeks go by, there's no real incidents other than, oh, and then the classroom, he had stayed half of a, uh, I can't remember which classes it was, but it was like a two block period or something. He shouldn't have been in her class and this little boy is hiding in her class again. And what I'm the most concerned with is that his teachers don't notice that he's missing from class. Right. And yeah, now, that's, yeah. <laughs> now, mind you, when I realized what happened, and that is the teacher who said he's 175% boy and that kept going along with the cultural thing, she was now his teacher. So, you know, there was an excuse for everything. So she was um, losing track of him and. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. She was losing track of him. And the very, again, I I look back to when I was in school and I just couldn't imagine being able to just slip out unnoticed. No. And sitting in a different classroom. (laughs) Yeah. I think most teachers would notice I'm amazed. And my daughter would have to ask her teachers, is he back in my class again? You know, because I'm supposed to know and they would have to remove him. And then he would just kind of hang out in the doorway and stare at her. And it's like, how is this happening? We are in elementary school. It should not be that difficult to keep track of one child. Yeah. Especially the same child that keeps disappearing. At some point, you'd think you'd notice that exactly. there's a pattern with one particular kid. Keep a close eye on that one, please. Right. Well, and what was kind of sad was, you know, the second recess time that he was in the class that he shouldn't have been in, instead of having our daughter go to a different classroom, they, well, you can go in the class or you can stay out in the hallway. So she stayed out in the hallway. So during her recess, she can't go in with her friends you know, even though she's supposed to be in this specific classroom because he's in there or she could, you know, even though she, he's not allowed to be in there. Right. He was not allowed to be in there. He was specifically told that morning. So then I had to write again. Um, and I mean, the emails alone are just there was so many because they did. I mean, it, to me, it looked like they didn't care at all. Yeah. And they certainly didn't want me to talk about it. It's yeah, that's it's it's completely outrageous that that kind of behavior coming from teachers who are supposed to be looking after these kids who are just oh, yeah. seem to have no care in the world. Just to wrap up what happened with with uh, this child, I assume uh, he, he 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 did he ever threaten your daughter again or did he ever hurt your daughter at any point? Um, so the last time that he violated the probation order was when he took his shoulder and smashed into her. And so so he assaulted that, her. Yeah, basically. And I think it was more of a, you know, trying to scare her, intimidating, but he was in a gigantic cafeteria where my daughter's classroom was walking out. She was in the back. The teacher was in the front and she would notice. She said, if the teachers aren't around, he gets close to me. If they're not around, he will walk super close and, you know, and it was really uncomfortable for her. Well, um, that specific day, she saw him walking in the cafeteria was empty. So it's not like you would picture a busy cafeteria. This is in class periods. They were traveling to um, one of the classes that I think they had outside. And he came through the cafeteria from the office way. And she was at the very back of the line with another couple of people. And he just slammed right into her. Instead of dealing with this the appropriate way, they wanted to make sure knew for sure is what are you sure it was him that was the response yeah so I was As like, if it this? would be surprising at this point. Mm, exactly. Jeez. Yeah, it had gotten out of control. So what ended up happening with this kid? Where, where did did he? Uh, you said there was a trial. What ended up happening with that? Um, actually, so at the beginning of March, uh, maybe the of first or year? second week of 2020. Sorry. Okay. It was right 
prior to COVID shutting down the schools. I know we had a trial set for March 27th of 2020. We were subpoenaed. I'm not sure if anybody else was. And then COVID had all of the schools shut down. So it was actually, you know, my daughter who loved school, to me, it was a relief to have her at home, which is sad Mm -hmm. because she no longer wanted to be there. You know, she was having a hard time. Um, I mean, and so much had happened in the meantime with that. It was, it was a mess. You know, I took it to the school board meeting and they did nothing at all. Did you make a public comment about it or? I did. I made a public comment the January prior to the trial. So it would have been, I think, January 10th, 2020. Um, I made a public comment after receiving a phone call. The Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, I think it was the 27th because there was a meeting prior where I got another phone call from our principal and she told me that I was not allowed to speak because it was a work session. So that is what started my brain was like, wait a second, I didn't see this in their bylaws, you know, because I had looked, I wanted to know, how do I do this? Uh, what are what is the process? What are the steps? So when I saw it, it said work session allowed public comment, but she told me that it didn't. So I didn't speak at one of them and then went to the next one and spoke publicly. Yeah. And but I really uh, started learning a lot at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the trial you said was set for March. Yes, it was set for March 27th. Um, We were subpoenaed. And then a few days prior, I got a call from the victim's advocate in the juvenile court. And she said, there is no longer going to be a trial. The family has fled the country. So they left. Presumably for this reason. Right. Um, And there was an issue. I know at one point, um, because the superintendent had brought it up, it was something, I'm not sure if it was with their immigration. I don't know. But he actually was surprised when he heard that I was not the one that filed the charge. He thought that I had filed it and could drop it. Ah, but it was the uh, school resource officer. So yeah, it was actually the state too. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. It was very interesting. So, but if I assume if they ever, if uh, they ever come back, he's got to stand trial, right? So, Mm -hmm. but they probably won't. And that's pretty much the end of that. Right now we do have some close family of, of his, the house that they were living in. They're still in my daughter's grade. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's kind of, that would make me nervous. Yes, it does. It makes me. Sure. So, so then you decided to run for office. What's that experience been like? Well, first off you, uh, you were endorsed, right? Just the, uh, yesterday or the day before? Yes. Uh, Westchester, um, had their endorsement meeting and I got a unanimous vote. So that was exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I basically, you know, I started watching a lot of the ways that the school board was handling these types of things. Um, and not just these types of things, but the school board, I'm sorry, they never they claimed that they never knew about our daughter's situation until I posted it on Facebook. So the school board president, instead of responding to me in his uh, public official capacity, decided to Facebook me and tell me that he would hear about it from the superintendent later. And so he extremely unprofessional all around. And that yeah. really set red flags up. Like, you know, as I'm looking and I'm reading about all of all of the different case law with things that have happened in different school districts. And um, you realize real fast that a lot of the people that work in these school districts have a sort of immunity when it comes to if something happens to your child. Yeah. Uh, and I asked the superintendent, I said, you know, I want to know because they were supposed to have a 10 day suspension. It was maybe two, if that, I'm not even sure that they counted those two days. And I said, when can you do something? Like, when can you remove a child from your school? And he said, they have to act on it. So in other words, so you have I to had, wait until it happens. Yes. That's exactly what he told me and my husband, that the little boy would have to act on it before he could do something. Even though he did shoulder her. 
Yes. That didn't do anything. So no, they yeah, they just there was no uh, and and I find it hard to believe, you know, because we hear stories about kids who threaten other kids who get in trouble all the time, but because they were using this cultural difference as an excuse, it seemed to just disappeared. You know, nobody yeah. wanted to talk about it. How much? Just to, I know because the big conversation, uh, particularly with school boards, has been CRT. Yes. Um, how much do you think that influences the decisions that are being made by the school board, by the administrators, by the teachers? So I will tell you in our case, I did not know about CRT back then um, when we were dealing with the situation with my daughter. And a few months back, actually probably a few weeks before I met you, I was searching through some of the district's uh, social media posts. And I realized that the teacher who was losing track of the student and the principal, you know, this the school that our daughter was in, this teacher was one of the speakers who was training other teachers about critical race theory and different cultural representation, things like that. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. very strange. And they were actually hashtagging CRT cohort at that exact same time. Um, So it wasn't until recently after I realized, wait, what is this that's being implemented into the curriculum that I saw, wait, this is why this is a problem. So they out and out admit that CRT (laughs) is an influence in how they're handling kids. I mean, they don't come straight out and admit it, but. But I mean, they hashtag it, right? I mean. Oh, they did. Yeah. Actually, what they do is they call uh, CRT, hashtag CRT cohort means criti- or culturally responsive teaching, not critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So somehow they've managed to convince some people that that's that different. They didn't actually mean critical race theory. <laughs> right. Okay, sure, right. Right. But either way, they they admit that they are tr- they are they are disciplining this kid differently because yes. of culture, which is really. Honestly, that's what it comes down to for me, whether you call it CRT, call it, you know, call it whatever you want. That's the problem. The problem is is. is that kids who act up in whatever way are being disciplined differently based off of their skin color, based off of their culture and any of that. And that's the real problem here is that I, I don't care what else you call it. I don't care what else you do. If you do that, if you, if you discipline kids differently based off of their skin color, uh, all you're going to do, first off, you're going to make it very dangerous for some kids as it clearly was your, 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 your child was definitely in a dangerous situation, right? There's, there's no telling what this kid may or may or may not have been capable of at some point. Right. Oh, I Um, absolutely agree. So I think it, it's culturally irresponsible for them to teach and go about this the way that they have. Yeah, yeah. That's so that is when people talk about uh, uh, those of us who are challenging CRT, the, we're not challenging it because CRT just sounds like this awful, you know, you know, name right. word concept. It's the it's the things that it results in. It's the exactly. actual implementations and the effects of that. And that and, and this right here, you faced you, you and your daughter saw firsthand, as far as I can tell, the very effects of CRT ideology, which is you you treat kids based off of the color of their skin, not in the content of their character. And that seems yes. to be exactly what happened with this child. I actually mentioned to them at one point, what would the punishment have been if this was a child who was white or I don't, I'm not even sure if I said the skin color, just an American, Mm -hmm. an American child who is from here, 
how would you have disciplined him compared to that child? Or better yet, what if it was my daughter? What if the tables were turned? How would that have been disciplined? I can almost guarantee it would have been disciplined very differently. And from their reactions, you know, oh, wait, well, we just, we can't tell you the punishment. Um, what do you mean we can't tell you the punishment? Yeah, no. It should be the same for every kid. That's the problem. It is. And it's very subjective. You know, so I spent a lot of time looking through the student code of conduct, through the bylaws mm-hmm. um, to find, is there a specific way that this is supposed to be treated? And if you look at a lot of the policies and the bylaws, you realize that it says at the discretion of so-and-so. Um, there's always a subjective sentence in there that makes you think, okay, so someone, this is at someone's discretion. And how are they going to view that? Yeah, it's, it's a mess. What happened I mean, to zero tolerance? Um, zero, tolerance to zero tolerance is a really, it's a nice thought, but unfortunately zero tolerance does not, not apply. Anything. Oh, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, I remember when I was in school, you know, sometimes people would write bomb threats on the wall that happened a handful of times and it emptied the schools when it happened, right? It emptied the schools, it brought in the dogs and all that kind of stuff. And you, we knew every single time it happened, we laughed about it because we knew it was somebody (laughs) just pulling a prank is a dumb prank, but we knew somebody trying to get out of school, right? Somebody (laughs) trying to get out of school or somebody who's just trying to cause a problem. Who's just a, you know, problem child who likes to get, you know, who likes to push the boundaries, likes to be the one that's, Mm -hmm. you know, Pulling the fire alarms, or, yeah. right? Exactly. So, so you know, but but that still, everybody was on their feet whenever that happened. Yeah, but exactly. When a credible threat happens, like what was happening, and, and as far as I'm concerned, it's, this is a credible threat that was uh, uh, laid against your daughter, right? Yeah. When a credible threat happens, it's not all hands on deck. Oh no, it's definitely not. It's more of a how quiet can we keep this, and how quiet can we keep the parents, and how quiet can we keep the kid, and really silencing a victim of anything is the worst possible way to go about starting that healing process at all. Uh, So that to me, I mean, it's out of control. Why would somebody want to come forward if they're telling you to be quiet about it? Oh, exactly. And I, you know, I've heard some other things too, but you see it, uh, you, you see a lot of it get removed. And like our situation, I finally was so tired of it that I had posted about it on some of the neighborhood groups and it was reported and pulled Mm -hmm. down. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, it like was. The neighborhood groups pulled it down. Yeah, I think it was actually ran by the Enquirer and a few of I know a few of the board members had had some connections with the Enquirer at that point. And that so neighborhood the Enquirer group, pulled it down. It was pulled. Yeah, it was pulled. As a matter of fact, anything negative about Lakota has been pulled down for quite a while. So we started our own group. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the only way to have transparent conversation within the community. Yeah, if you're not going to tell the story, we will. Right. So the one of the big concerns I have about this, at least as far as 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 the the offender in your case is concerned, he's at least not near your daughter anymore, which is oh, great. Yeah. <clears throat> but there are I, yours is not the only story I've heard. No, and not, it's definitely and, and, not. And not the only district I've heard this happening in. And the reason why it's not being told is because parents are concerned for this, understandably concerned for the safety of their kids. Yes. So what'll happen is you'll have a kid who is uh, of color mm-hmm. who will threaten or assault or bully or whatever. And then the school administrators will handle it very differently than the way they would handle it with a white kid and basically continue to put the, the kid in a situation. Right. Yes, and the parents absolutely. will try to handle it, but the school just refuses to do anything about it. And those kids still remain either on, in the same classroom, on the mm-hmm. same bus, 
uh, with, with no separation, no nothing happening to keep this from happening again. And not only that, but what will happen is the kid who reported in the first place, if that gets back, if and when that gets back to the kid that uh, is the offender, that kid then has more motive to bully and more mo- oh, motive absolutely. to threaten. And all. So that's the concern a lot of parents have about coming forward about this is, is just by going to the administrators at all, especially since they're not actually uh, disciplining the kids who are doing it and not actually doing something to keep it from happening. It just, it inflames the situation. And that's to me, the reason why parents have, have, have been, um, have been so reluctant to come out with these stories. And I just wonder how widespread it must be. So I Uh, wonder what would you say to these parents who are in this situation, just like you're in, uh, but there's, but their kids are still faced with their, with their, uh, offenders, with their bullies. You know, the only thing that I've been able to tell some of the other parents, and I, I've heard a lot of that, you know, well, this is why I don't speak up. Um, some people are afraid because, you know, maybe their child plays football and, or maybe they don't want retaliation within the district because, you know, you don't know if a teacher is going to be in trouble or who knows what could happen. But if that child still has to go to school, they're like, well, I don't really want to say anything because of this. And I would have people bring issues that they were having to me to try and help them because I was like, I can be your voice. But at some point, this is the reason why you you should be standing up. The fact that you are afraid that this could come back on your child means that you need to stand up and you need to speak about it twice as loud. Yeah. Uh, because that should never be happening. We shouldn't have to worry about retaliation, especially you know, with the the district staff or the teachers, um, and especially not with another child. If these situations need to be handled, we need to handle them appropriately the first time or keep making sure that your story is heard. That's the only way to do it. I I, I agree. And it seems to me that um, not saying anything, not speaking out, not coming forward with your story uh, continues to put your kid in a dangerous situation because then there's no pressure to resolve it. There's the, no and there's no responsibility, no accountability. Um, I cannot tell you who made the decision in our daughter's situation because no one would take responsibility for it. Not mm-hmm. one person. Even when letters were written up to me, no one would sign it. They would yeah. not sign the. It was just a bizarre thing to see happening, and it shouldn't be happening anymore. No, no, this this stuff needs to end. So, and, and that's what I would say to the parents who are listening to this. And I, I, I want to make sure that this interview goes as wide as possible because this, to me, honestly, so far, this is the most important interview I've done oh, because this you, is 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 it's it's not it's it seems to me that it is so widespread that at some point the next courageous parent needs to step out and step up and say this is happening to me too. I agree, and I've got their back. The, <laughs> Right. So, and that's why I'm so, so, uh, so glad that you are, are willing to tell your story because I'm really hoping that the next parent who hears this, who is says, yeah, this is happening to me too. will say, yep, I'm right here. I've got, I have the same story. And as soon as they do, the next parent will say me too, me too, me too, me too until, until at this, at, at, at some point it is so loud that it cannot be ignored and something ends up having to be done to keep this from happening anymore. You know, um, there's one other thing that uh, the teachers and the principal had said, well, if, because I was going to the school, if our daughter had a problem, she didn't feel safe enough to talk to the teachers or the principal. So she would come home and she would tell me, mom, this is going on. This is how me and my friends are handling it. And if I would take that to them, they would say, well, she needs to advocate better for herself. 
And here's where I'm going to tell every other parent, our children don't need to advocate for themselves, especially not in elementary school. We are their best advocate so that we need to do the advocating for them um, because this will continue to happen if we don't start speaking up. So I I would say, uh, parents, make sure you if if, if you have any uh, any any questions about any of this, about what it takes to come forward. Um, can they, can they come to you? Is there, absolutely. Is there some, okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and you can get a hold of, uh, Vanessa. Um, do you have a, uh, like a, a social media, Facebook page or anything like that, that people I can, do. or some kind of contact info? Um, my Facebook is Vanessa Wells Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my email is amguardianalliance at gmail.com. Okay. And if you, uh, you, you can also reach out to, uh, to me, uh, through the show and I can put you in touch with Vanessa and she can help you to figure out what it takes to come forward. Uh, but it can't just be Vanessa being the only voice. I mean, she's, That's she's, right. she's, she's doing something courageous here, but we need more courageous people like her to step up. So, uh, we have a few minutes left and I want to make sure to give you the last word. Um, and, and I'll, I'll start just by asking, uh, what else can people do to, uh, to, to resolve this situation, to address this situation? Well, get involved. If you see a problem, find out where it's coming from, find out, you know, know what your teachers are teaching, know Know what the students are learning in class. I mean, a lot of, I know that this, it's a huge issue just because of critical race theory, but it's not just critical race theory. It, you know, just knowing what they're being taught, knowing SEL, I, I don't know if you've covered that at all in your shows. Max, I have, what but, does this stand for? Uh, social emotional learning. Oh yeah, yes, 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 yes. So yes. don't just ask for the curriculums, ask for the instruction that they're using. Mm-hmm. Make sure you know what these make teachers. records requests. You have yes. a right to, to all so the records. They are all public record. That, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, public records request. That's the thing. You know, they, you have to be as detailed as possible and maybe give a short amount of time, but you have access and you have every right to have the records that you ask for from your school district. Mm-hmm. So try to utilize that. Right, um, go to your board meetings too. <laughs> yeah. Go to the board meetings. If nothing else, at least watch them on because a lot of them are streamed now, especially after oh, COVID. Yeah. So definitely watch them uh, and see how things are played out because um, I'll tell you what these I've seen, I've been to several board meetings now. I've seen a lot of them on videos and the way they, the way they're run, the way that some of these school board Mm -hmm. members behave, these are your representatives. These are people, I think people go into these polls and, and, and they vote for some of these guys and they don't really think anything of it. They know nothing about any of them. Usually there, it didn't used to be for some districts anyway, that school board members were, uh, or candidates were endorsed by any party, but that seems to be starting to change at least in some districts. Right. Um, but still, you know, you, you, you know, you, you went with the person you were familiar with and that person right. who's been on that board for however long is, is it's not always the best choice. Not I will always tell the you best that. choice. No. Um, and really get to know how your candidates feel on issues too. If they're afraid to answer questions, that's to me, that's typically a negative sign. You know, you can ask me any question and I will tell you how I feel about it. But a lot of these people will tiptoe around and somehow manage to not answer your question. Make yeah. sure you find candidates that you really trust because these people really do impact your child's life, not just in their education, but even their safety. Uh, they impact it in so many ways. And it's really important to be involved with that process. Yeah, absolutely. And it is very easy to get in touch with uh, with school board candidates 
or local candidates. It's not like with national politics or even state politics where, right. you know, you, you, you call them and, you know, some representative answers the phone or whatever. You can, you could meet up with your local representatives for coffee oh, yeah. easily because they, yeah, cause they want some- your vote. They, you know, right. so they, they will do that. We've been doing uh, parent groups and even smaller events just to try to educate the community and the parents on what's going on in our school district right now. You know, so if they have questions and we can answer them, then it saves them the step of going to the board meeting or maybe they can't make it. Uh, but I really, I highly suggest asking questions to your current school board, to your new candidate, to your teachers and your principals. Don't be afraid to reach out to them. Yeah, they work for you. Yeah, that's right. Vanessa, thank you so much for coming on. Thank Thank you so much for having the courage to come out and tell your story. This is really, really important information. Uh, and I think uh, that our audience uh, is really going to appreciate hearing this, especially people who are facing some of the same issues you've faced. Yeah, uh, and absolutely. I know you are not the only one I've heard. I've, I've, I keep hearing this story come up over and over again. And it seems like the more we talk about it, the more people come out. And that's uh, one of the big yeah. reasons why I wanted to do this interview. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming out and telling absolutely. your story. Yeah, it's no problem. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Max. Yeah. And I hope uh, you'll keep us uh, informed of everything that's going on in Lakota. Uh, we'll, I will, for We sure. definitely <laughs> want to stay plugged in. Uh, we are going to be keeping an eye on that election. I want to see uh, see how that plays out for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Vanessa. Have a good night. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. If you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and every other major podcast platform. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and enable notifications to stay up to date with all of our new episodes and content. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to be a part of the show, reach out to us at canceledoutpodcast at gmail.com or in our locals community. Canceled Out is produced, directed, edited and mixed by scott and max all sourcing information can be found in our show notes at chronicles.org or in the link in the episode post in our locals community site at canceledout.com canceled out is a canceled out media llc production copyright 2021